Thanks for tuning in to the audio edition of our Sunday sermons. For more information about Cornerstone, visit cornerstonerome.com. We are in another week of our series, The Stories, um, and I have the privilege of teaching you the most exciting, deriving, you know, uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've read through Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1, because I fell asleep. But nonetheless, um, we're going to be looking at the book Leviticus. Before I get started, I just want to confess something. You know, I'm, I, I like to keep, call it, I keep it 100. I like to be honest with everybody that's here. Leviticus was not my favorite book of the Bible. Um, in fact, it probably wasn't even in the top 65. <laughs> Somebody like 65, how many books? 66 books, so you get to do the math. All right. Um, and reason being is Leviticus, to me, was boring, right? It was outdated. It was a, bunch of, a whole bunch of rules, uh, requirements, uh, all these different things that I really could care less about. Until recently. And I'm hoping that as we look at the Bible today, as we look at the book of Leviticus, Leviticus, as we look at the book of Leviticus, you can leave today with a newfound appreciation for this book. Before I do that, um, I want to tell you this. The Bible is full of God's word. And here's what's cool. It is 66 books, 66 love letters, 66 last will and testaments that God gave us as his people. I want to encourage you to not, to not consider this book dead. But every day as you read through the Bible, as you read through these books, realize that it's alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. You'll be surprised that as you pick through a word, God will point out one scripture that you may have read a thousand times and he will just illuminate it so that you will see it in a different light today. So I want to encourage you to find little nuggets in the Bible. I like nuggets, like little chicken nuggets. You like chicken nuggets right there. I like little chicken nuggets, right? So find little nuggets. We're not telling you to memorize the whole Bible. We're saying find a nugget because a nugget can get you through the situation you're dealing with right now. That nugget is the word of God. So, I just want to encourage you, is, believe it or not, the Bible is not as long as it is deep. Each word will come alive if you give it time, if you allow the Lord to speak to you through that text. <sighs> All right, let's dig into this. There's a lot to go over through really quick with the book of Leviticus. Um, now, who wrote the book of Leviticus? It is written by Moses, right? Moses was in the Old Testament. He was God-chosen a man who called the Israelites out of Egypt. The book was written to the Levites, the Levitical, Levitical priest. It was, written, it was specifically written to uh, people who were to serve God in his, in his tabernacle. These were men who were called to come closer to God, to offer sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. Their job was a lot of different things, right? They were the cooks, they were the bakers, they were the home inspectors, they were the doctors, the nurses, the lawyers, the preachers. They, I mean, they did everything. Back in those days, they had a wider range of, of requirements or things they had to do. But it's because God called them to be set apart, to be his people, to um, his representative to his people. So this book is specifically written for them. But we can still learn from it because it still is God speaking to us because he has called us, believe it or not, his holy priesthood. So 
Last week, we discovered the book of Exodus, and we, we looked at how Moses was called, how God used Moses to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. They were enslaved. They had grew as a large nation, and God grew them, I mean, uh, called them out of Egypt. Then he brought them into the wilderness, and after Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai, and God gave them instructions, the laws and the commandments, and he told them to live a certain way because they are now his people. At this mountain, he also told them, I need you to build a home for me called the tabernacle. I'm going to live in the tabernacle. I'm going to live amongst you. And at the very end of the book, we find out that Moses was not allowed to go into the tabernacle. And we find that out because we look at Leviticus 1, and I'm looking at it in different translation. In Leviticus 1, 1, it says this. Now the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent. He literally was inside of the tent, and he spoke to Moses on the outside of the tent. In order to understand why this is the case, we need to understand this word, holiness. The word holiness runs through the whole book of Leviticus. Holiness is means to be holy. Uh, and what does holy mean? Holy is, um, it means to be clean, pure, set apart. In essence, it's more than just clean. I know we all look at it holy as being clean, pure, set apart, but it's more than that. It means powerful. It means unique. It means, like, if you realize that God was the source of life. And so, if I had to look at that and I had to put it into a metaphor, I would say a metaphor that we all can realize, I mean, we all associate with is the sun. So I'm just going to draw a sun right here. If we say in this metaphor that holiness, I mean, that God is the sun, then we understand that that makes the sun holy in this metaphor. What do I mean by this? The sun to us is, is set apart. It's unique. It's the source of life on earth. It's powerful. We realize that as things fly into the sun, it is consumed, it is burnt up, and it dies. So that means that if the sun is holy, then the space, my drawings are, I know, amazing. I know what you're thinking. Like, this guy is an artiste. I am. The space around the sun is also holy. Because here's the deal. The closer you get to the sun, the more intense that holiness becomes. The closer you get to God's presence, the more intense that holiness becomes. We see this when God was speaking to Moses in the bush. He told him, Moses, take off your shoes because where you're standing now is holy ground. In essence, when God set up his tabernacle on earth, there was three compartments. And as you got to the inner compartment, the holy of holies, where his presence lied, only a few were allowed to go in there because it was intense. Now, on that backdrop of holiness, of holy as God being holy, we see that God had to do a couple things. Because God realized that you and I, that his priests, that his people were going to mess up. We're just plain old stupid. He even called us sheep, by the way. We're just plain old dumb, right? I think about this. God gave his people the law and the commands, and then he had to help them out. It's kind of like if you ever had kids. You know what those safety locks are? Like when you put on the cabinets, you put on uh, the doors, all those different things. It's like this. You can tell your kids to your blue in the face, don't do that. I have a daughter. You guys know I talk about her all the time because she's a horrible child. I'm joking. But she, she's, she's right over there. She's just, just a bad baby, right? When she was younger, no matter how much we told her when we were blue in the face, 
don't do that. Get out of there. Don't touch that. She still did it. It's to a point where we had to put a lock on the toilet seat. Do you know how difficult and how frustrating it is when in the middle of the night you go up to pee, you can barely see, no lights on, and you can't even get loose the toilet thing? You know what I'm talking about. That's how frustrating it is. But we had to do this because we knew that Ella was going to disobey us, and she was going to go drink the toilet water. And we knew that if she drank the toilet water, it was not going to be good for her. Forget Corona. We're talking about, you know, she's drinking doo-doo water. That's what, what was going to happen. I feel like that's what, that's what God did for us, just for the Israelites, right? In a way, God said, I'm going to help the Israelites out. Because I realize no matter how much I talk to, tell them and I'm blue in the face, they're still going to mess up. They're still going to get it wrong. So he gives them these things. We find out that God actually, he kind of sections off the book of Leviticus in a couple of different ways. He gives them like three main blocks. Everything's falling up, up here, so don't worry about it. We get it through. He gives them like three main blocks. Um, and these blocks are broken up like this. Is One is the rituals. Uh, rituals were, um, they were what the Israel's, Israelites were supposed to practice on a regular basis. Uh, he gives them the priest. The priests were to serve as mediators between God and them. And then he also gave them kind of like the requirements for purity, right, or what purity was, right, which is basically saying what's pure, impure, what's clean, what's not clean. I'm going to explain that a little bit more, but I just wanted to give you that backdrop. So, number one, the rituals. It was God's way of helping the Israelites, right? He gave them, first of all, the ritual sacrifices. These were sacrificial offerings that the people can make for a variety of different things. Number one, they can make it say, you know what, God, I'm going to surrender my whole life to you. I'm going to give my whole life to you, right? That was like a burnt offering, complete surrendering to God, right? Then he gave them these other rituals. I want to make sure I say them correctly if I can find my notes. Uh, He gave them the burnt offerings. He gave them the grain offerings. He gave them the peace offerings, the sin offerings, the guilt offerings, all these different offerings through chapters one through seven. These different offerings, some represented thankfulness to God. God, I just thank you for giving us a harvest. I thank you for giving us breath. I thank you for giving me my wife. I thank you for giving me life, for giving me brand new shoes. Thanksgiving offerings. Then he gave them offerings for sin, whether it was sin between them and God. Maybe they deliberately disobeyed God, like your kids. Maybe they deliberately, you told them not to do that, and they still did it, like Adam did and Eve did. Those were sin offerings or guilt offerings of when they sinned against someone they knew. Maybe they beat up their neighbor. They stole their stuff. I don't know why I said beat up your neighbor. It was the first thing that came to head. You know, maybe, maybe they got in an argument because they're, they were, one side was Democrat, one side was Republican. These were sin offerings. I mean, guilt offerings that could be offered because you sinned against your brother or your sister. Then he gave them the ritual feast. These are found in chapters 23 to 25. The ritual feast, and it, these were all celebrations. They were party, hoo, let's party on, baby, right? But they were celebrations for what God had done for them by bringing them out of Egypt, out of slavery, and he was promising to take them to the promised land. These ritual feasts were to happen on a regular basis as reminders it was as if, like, God was saying, let me help you because I know 
You're going to forget what I did for you. Let me give you an occasion once a year where you have to do these certain things to remind you just of how good I was to you and how good and faithful I am to you. It's kind of like Christmas every year for us. It's a reminder that Jesus came to earth as little sweet baby Jesus, right? And then Easter is a reminder that that sweet baby Jesus grew up to be a full grown man. He went through the teenage years. We don't Find out what happened in those teenagers, but you guys have teenagers. You know how it is, right? But he went through the teenage years, and he'd come as an adult, and he'd die on the cross. It's a reminder for us to remember of Jesus' sacrifice for us. These ritual feasts were reminders to the Israelites, right? And they consist of Passover, the unleavened bread, first fruits, uh, Pentecost, trumpets, Day of Atonement, and tabernacle. The beautiful part of all this was all this always it pointed back to Jesus. I don't have time to break it into break down all these different things, these different rituals, but all of it pointed back to Jesus. Because what God knew that we didn't know or even they knew at the time was we could never fulfill the requirements that God required for us to be in his presence. There always it was always intended for God to send his own son as a spotless lamb to die for us so that we can be in his presence. All right. Next thing is the priest, right? Because as we remember, the closer you get to God, the more intense it is. So God had to set up these priests. I like the priests, right? Holy, right? The priest, I don't know. I did that. It's special, right? The priests, um, they have specific requirements. They were, as I said before, they were to represent God to his people and the people to God. So because of their unique stance, we find out that God first in chapters, um, chapters 8 and 9, he had to first of all ordain them, anoint them so they can be priests. Right? He had to do all these things. Moses had to go and anoint them so they could step, actually step into that place. Then we find out in chapters 21 through 23 that he gave them requirements. He told them, look, if you're going to be my people, you need to understand this. The closer you get, the more intense it is. So you have to live far above everyone else's expectation where they can just uh, flippantly go and sin and do whatever they want. You can't do that. You're not allowed to do that because if you come into this space carrying these things, if you come into this space having sin, what happens is, dead baby dead. (laughs) And we find this out in in chapter 9, where, chapter 9, in chapter 10, where Adam's, I mean Adam's, where Aaron's sons come into his presence. It says this, and I want to make sure I read it, because I thought it was beautiful. In chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Aaron's sons, N and A, you guys know, I don't know how to, we're not even going to try to say these names. Aaron's sons, N and A, put coals of fire uh, for their incense burners and sprinkle incense over them. In this way, they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire, different than he had commanded. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burnt them up, and they died there before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near to me. I will display my glory to all the people. All they did was offer a different fire. And because they were called and set apart and they 
disobeyed with the simplest thing of offering a different fire, and they got closer. Gigi, dead baby, die, no living back. These people died off. These two sons died instantly. If anything, it should tell us, one, y'all better stop playing with God. <laughs> we better stop playing with God. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm specifically talking about Pastor Jody. He's been sick for a week. You better stop playing with God, Pastor Jody. I'm joking. <laughs> he wasn't here. That's right. God is holy. And I know the culture would tell us that he's not that big of a deal. That every man can be God or every woman can be God. That what is true for you is true for you and what's true for me is true for me. But let me tell you this. There's no other God like our God. He is holy. And those that come into his presence need to understand that if you don't come the right way, there will be penalty. There will be costs. Aaron's sons found that out instantly. He ain't playing with us. All right. And finally, the, 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 the final block we find out is purity. What's this whole idea of purity? It was God's way of helping them to understand what's clean and unclean, what's pure and unpure. To say it like this, being unpure doesn't mean you're in sin. Because you, we find out that some of the things that he lists as unpure wasn't necessary about sin. It was something that they had to deal with on a regular basis. Um, it was females who once a month craved chocolate. During that period of time, you know what I'm talking about, right? Chocolate and french fries. Uh, it, was, it was females during this time where you're unclean or impure. That doesn't mean you're in sin. Well, I mean, <laughs> we know. <laughs> like, let's keep it real. We know you're in sin. We know you did it. But nonetheless, that didn't mean you were in sin, right? People that touch dead animals, that didn't mean you were in sin. Maybe you touched a dead animal because you were preparing food for someone else or whatever happened. I don't know all the rules and all the requirements. But if you touched or you did something that was impure or unclean, that didn't mean you were in sin. It just means that death had touched your body. And that, that meant for a period of time you were contaminated. If we had to think about it like this, it's, it's like what we're dealing with right now is quarantine. Right? If you come in contact with somebody who has corona, you're considered contaminated. You have to be quarantined for, I don't know if it's two days or it's two weeks. We don't know. CDC, will you tell us what's going on? Right? We don't know. It's, is it a two-week period? For this period of time, you are considered unclean, and you should quarantine yourself. That doesn't mean for the rest of your life you have to stay in the house. But for these next two weeks, you need to be set apart because here's the deal with God. I go back to the holiness. Anyone who entered into his presence should not bring death because death cannot exist in his life. So these, these signs of impurity, these signs of uncleanness, it was all about death. So he had to tell them, hey, watch out what you're doing. If you touch these things, if you do these things, if you're experiencing these things, you need to not come into my presence for at least one to two weeks. Take uh, some, some vitamin D, maybe sit in some sunlight, drink some bleach, but you can't come into my presence. See what I did? <laughs> you got to understand what I did. All right. But don't come into my presence for this period of time. So first we see is the, the ritual. I mean, not the ritual. Sorry, the purification. He gave us, first of all, the, um, the ritual purities, right? These things that they shouldn't touch. And then he gives us the moral purities, purities, where he goes into how we should treat poor people, those that are homeless, how we should, um, how we should care about sexual integrity, how we should care about social justice. 
And in the middle of all this, one of the feasts that God goes into long details about is the Day of Atonement. Now, this happens to be my favorite part of the whole Bible. The Day of Atonement was like this. And I, I, I always associated it back with having kids. It was like this. He knew they were going to mess up. He knew that even though he gave them ways to make themselves clean, to make themselves pure by offering sacrifice, that some of them still wouldn't do that. Some of them would miss it. Maybe they would ask God to forgive them for uh, being mean to their brothers and sisters, but they wouldn't ask God for helping them for, for cheating on their test. Maybe they would ask God to forgive me, Lord, because I uh, argue with my, my spouse today, but I don't, they didn't ask God to forgive them for uh, beating their kids, right? God knew that once a year, there was going to come and it was going the, the sins of Israel was going to pile up. But he put it in the place that on this day of atonement, people, the priest, the high priest was allowed to take two goats, one for sacrificing to atone for the people's sin. And he was to kill them and sprinkle their blood in the most holy of holies into God's presence. And the other one, he was to um, symbolically lay his hands on his head, which is called the scapegoat, and release them into the wilderness as a way of taking Israelites, the Israelites' sin away from all of the land. To me, it was a beautiful picture because God was saying, hey, if you didn't think Jesus was here, he's right here in this text. Because what we find out is that Jesus was actually our holy, our high priest that was allowed to go into God's presence. And on that day, when he died on the cross, he went into the presence of God, the holy of holies, and made sacrifices for you and I. By, by shedding of his blood. And when his blood shed, it says that his blood covered all of our sins. It didn't, it didn't just cover our sins. It cleanses us from all unrighteousness, from all sin, all impurity, so that now we can go into God's holy presence without having to worry about if we messed up, if we're impure, if we're dirty. We can boldly go into God's throne of thrones because he of what he's done for us. The Day of Atonement was at the almost center of this book. It was almost as if God was saying, I'm going to give you a gift in the middle of all this to let you know that while you can't fulfill it, I got your back. Here's what we learn. There's so much going on in the books of Leviticus. There's so much going on in the book of Leviticus. But ultimately, it's God making his way so that we can live with him. It's ultimately our holy God graciously providing a way for his people to live in his presence. And I love that. I love that God had foresight to realize that Stephen Daniel was going to mess up. I realize that God, I love that God had foresight to say, I got your back, homie. Don't worry about this. I know you're not going to get it right. I know I'm asking a lot of you, but, but I gave you my son so that you can live with me forever. Because he wants to have relationship with us. This verse is at the very center. I mean, this verse speaks about all Leviticus. It's found in Leviticus 2. It says this, and this is our, our, some, our thoughts. It says this in Leviticus 20, verse 26. You must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from all of the people 
for my very own, to be my very own. If you're here today, I want to tell you this. When you receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, God does a work in your life. And he requires you to step up your game. It's not for a pastor. It's not for your friends. It's not for your wife. It's not for your husband. It's not for anyone else to tell you this. But he requires you to step up your game. Because he is holy. I know people told you that what you're doing is okay. But if you got that something on the inside of you saying, you know what, this just doesn't seem right. I shouldn't do this anymore. I think it's time that you stop disobeying it. I think it's time that we step up our game and be the men and women that God has asked us to be. And here's why. While we don't realize it, we are contaminating our own bodies and we're taking in death in our own life. And if you don't realize it, if you take poop into your body, it will affect you. Poop is only supposed to come out your body. It's not supposed to go in. It's okay to laugh. It's okay. God is saying, I don't want you to contaminate yourself. Because when you contaminate yourself, you start contaminating everyone else you come in contact with. Death begins to spread to everyone else in the world. And it was, he never wanted death to spread to everyone else. He wanted life to spread. He wanted his glory to be known. He wanted his people to be an example to all the world of how good and faithful God is. He wanted us to see the miraculous signs and wonders. He wanted us to see how good it feels to walk into God's presence and hear his voice and know without a shadow of a doubt that that's what God wants and that's what God wanted me to do. I have to close in prayer, so... There's so much more we could talk about, but I'm going to stop right here. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? I want to ask you this while your heads are bowing eyes closed. If you're watching online, as we, as we wrap up this uh, sermon, I want to say this. If you don't realize this, God loves you. All the requirements that were listed in the book of Leviticus was about God making a way so that we can live in his presence. And he realized that we would never do that. And so if you're watching online or you're in this room today, He sent his son, Jesus, as that sacrificial lamb to die for us, to make a way so that we can live in his presence. So if you want to receive this message, it's as simple as believe it in your heart that God actually sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross. That for three days he was dead. But after three days he rose again of his own power because God brought him back from, from, from the grave and he's alive right now. The Bible tells us that if we believe that message, we can be saved. So if you're here today and you want to receive Jesus or if you're watching online, we want you to pray this prayer with us. Will you repeat this prayer after me? Dear God, I ask you right now to forgive me. Forgive me for what I've done. Forgive me because I've been unclean. I ask you, God, to save me. I believe right now that you sent your son and his name is Jesus to die on the cross for me. I receive him. I ask you to make me new. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give these people who, who said that prayer a high, uh, high five, a hand clap. That's what I'm going to say. So as we close, let me just say this prayer over you as it's found in uh, Numbers chapter 6. Um, as you leave, we pray that the Lord will bless you 
and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. We hope you guys have a great rest of the week. Don't forget to go to groups at cornerstonerome.com and sign up for a group. Have a great day. See you guys next time. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.